Hello and welcome to Super Great Kids Stories. Wise tales from storytellers around the world which will make you laugh and sometimes cry. Recommended for ages 5 to 105. I'm Kim and I love stories. Hello Super Great Kids and how are you? I'm happy because we're starting a new season of stories about birds. The birds where I live seem to be very excited at the moment, darting about, preening and nest building and preparing for new families. I've just watched a young song thrush, which was helping itself to a breakfast of snail and stale bread. Mmm, yum, 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 snail on toast, delicious. The story this week is from Scotland and it's told by Amy Douglas. It's about a beautiful swan and a boy who had a curved back. The villagers in the story call him a hunchback. Today, happily, we wouldn't use a name like that. But this tale is from a time when people hadn't thought so much about the power of words and what it would feel like to be called a hunchback. But I'm pleased to be able to tell you that the story, which is a bit like the ugly duckling, has a very happy ending. Before we hear the story, can you have a think about which bird you'd like to be and why, while we have a quick word with the grown-ups. Hello, super great kids, I'm back. Right, birds. Which bird did you decide you'd like to be? Would you like to be a pink flamingo? Or would you like to be a kingfisher because they have beautiful orange and blue feathers and a long, sharp beak? Or you might like to sing like the blackbird or to be an elegant swan like the swan in today's story. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Am I sitting comfortably? Then here is Amy with this week's story. Hello, I'm Amy Douglas and I like to tell traditional stories. Stories that have been passed from mouth to ear, from mouth to ear, from mouth to ear. And a lot of those stories come from my teacher, a man called Duncan Williamson. And Duncan was a Scottish traveller, travelling from place to place, wherever the food was, wherever the work was. And if you're a traveller, well... You don't want to carry too much. And so they wouldn't have a lot of possessions. So they liked to carry things that didn't weigh anything at all. Things that they could pack up in their head. Songs, stories. And they would have hundreds and thousands of those. And Duncan, he got a lot of his stories from his granny. He was one of 16 children with 15 brothers and sisters. But of all of the children, he was the one that liked stories best. And almost every day, Duncan and his little sister Jeannie, they would go running to their granny and they would say, Granny, 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 will you give us a story? And she'd look at them and she'd smile and she'd say, I will, but you'll have to earn it. And their granny used to smoke a little clay pipe. 
and she would give them a penny and they would run down to the shop to buy tobacco for her pipe and they would bring it back. And in exchange for them running down to the shop, she would tell them a story. And Granny used to wear a pocket. It was like a handbag that tied around her waist. It would just hang almost like an apron pocket and she would have her hands free to do whatever she needed. And she would look down into the pocket at her waist and she would open it up and she would say, ah, that's the story that I will tell you today. Because she kept all her stories in her pocket. Well, one day, Duncan and Jeannie had gone down to the shop as usual to get the tobacco for Granny's pipe and they came back ready for their story. And it was a sunny day. And Granny had lain down on the grass and she'd put her head on her pocket. She'd taken it off from around her waist and put it under her head to use as a pillow. And she had fallen fast asleep. And she'd rolled over onto her back and she was snoring. (sighs) But the pocket, it was just lying there, wasn't attached to Granny. And it looked so inviting. Duncan and Jeannie knew that they shouldn't, but they tiptoed over. They took the pocket and they took it to the other side of the clearing and they opened it up and they looked inside because they wanted to know what the stories looked like. Inside the pocket, there were shells and wooden pegs that Gran used to make. There was a little clay pipe. There were a few coins and feathers and smooth rolled stones from the beach. There weren't any stories. They couldn't see a single story. So they put everything back carefully. They tried to put it back the way that they'd found it and they put the pocket back and they crept away to play. Well, that night, all the family were sitting around the fire and there was a pot bubbling over the fire with a stew that they were going to eat, but the stew wasn't done. And Duncan's daddy said, Mother, Granny, will you tell us a story to keep us entertained while we wait for the food? And she said, of course. And I owe Duncan and Jeannie a story anyway. And she looked down at the pocket that was back around her waist and she looked inside. And then she looked up and she looked around at all her family sitting there and she said, well, I would love to tell you a story, but I can't. Somebody has been in my pocket and they've let all the stories out. And Duncan said his granny never told him another story. But the stories are still alive. The stories are still there. Because where do you think those stories ended up? They all ended up in Duncan's head. And while his granny stepped back and stopped telling the stories, it meant that Duncan could step forward. And he could start to tell those stories. And so today I'm going to tell you one of those stories that Duncan said came from inside the pocket. Once there was a little baby born. (gasps) Blue eyes, chubby cheeks. Oh, such a gorgeous little baby. But it wasn't quite like the other babies. He had a kink in his spine. A bump in his back 
and so as he grew, it pushed his head forward and his shoulders up, and the people, they called him a hunchback. And as he grew older, when all the other children started to speak, he didn't. He would look at them, he could obviously see and he could hear and he could taste and he could touch, but he couldn't speak. They realised that he was mute and so they would look at him, this funny little boy with a hump on his back who couldn't speak and the children, well, he couldn't join in their games properly because he couldn't speak. And the grown-ups, well, they would look down at that boy and he would look up at them with those big blue eyes and they would speak to him and he wouldn't say anything and they would wonder if his mind was as crooked as his back and they didn't like to talk to him. They would see him coming and they would cross over to the other side of the road so they wouldn't have to speak to him. And so in the town, the little boy had no friends. But he did have friends. Because every day, at the end of the day, when school had finished, he would take the path that led into the woods and he would follow it through the trees until he came to a lake. And there the trees would open out, let the blue sky come down to be reflected on the lake and he would sit down at the edge of the lake quietly and he would get out the lunch that he had saved and he would open up his little packet with a bit of bread and a bit of cheese and he would sit. And soon there would be a rustling sound and out of the bushes would come a black nose, a long red face, two pointed red ears, a red body and a long bushy tail and it was Fox. And Fox would sit down on his haunches next to the hunchback and look up at him expectantly and the hunchback would give him a little bit of cheese. And then there would be a rustling from the other sound and lolloping out of the bushes would be two long ears and a bounce, bounce, bounce and there would be Rabbit. But there was never any trouble between Fox and Rabbit when the hunchback was there. And then there would be a fluttering in the skies and all the birds of the skies would come down, the jay and the robin, the blackbird and the wren, and they would sit on his shoulders, they would sit on his head and they would sit on his wrist and eat out of his hand. And then all the other animals of the forest would come. There would be voles and moles, shrews and badgers, and even the fish in the lake would start jumping up, coming swimming closer to the edge of the lake to see him. And maybe it was because he didn't speak and he was quiet that they loved to come and sit with him. But there was one creature in the forest that didn't come. The hunchback would look out across the lake and he would see Swan. So elegant, so graceful, gliding backwards and forwards across the lake and he would look at her and smile. And he would throw crumbs out into the water to try and entice her closer. And she might take the first one, she might take the second. But then she would swim away to the far side of the lake and she wouldn't come any closer. And he would forget all of the animals at his feet. He would forget the birds sitting on his shoulders and he would stare after the swan. Well, the years went by. The little boy up to a bigger boy, to a teenager, to a young man, and he finished school. 
And when he finished school, he moved out into the forest and he built himself a little hut. And that's where he lived. And during the day, he would go out amongst the trees and he would pick up all the dead wood from underneath the trees, the branches and the twigs. And he would make a big bundle of dry wood and he would take it into the town to sell for firewood. He wouldn't earn a lot of money but enough to buy some bread and cheese and then he would take that well-worn path to the lake and he would sit with his friends, all the creatures of the forest. Until one day. Because one day, all the animals gathered as they did every twilight, every evening, to sit with the hunchback and he didn't come. Well, they waited and after a while, one by one, they started to go away again. And the second evening, the same thing happened. All the animals gathered, but the hunchback didn't come. On the third evening, the animals looked around and they looked at each other and they started to ask each other, have you seen him? Have you seen him? Has, has anybody heard him walking about the forest? Has anybody seen him picking up the dead wood? Has anybody known anything of him for the past three days? Nobody had. And they were worried worried in case he was ill or sick, and so they went to see the wisest of all the creatures in the wood, which is, of course, Owl. And they stood underneath Owl's tree, and they all called up, Owl! Hey, Owl! And Owl came out, blinking and bleary on her branch, only just waking up ready for the night, and she looked down at them and said, What is it? Owl, we're worried. We're worried about the hunchback. We're worried in case he's ill or he's sick. Oh, said the owl. Oh, the hunchback. Yes, he is sick. He's love sick. He's only gone and fallen in love with Swan. And she never pays any attention to him. But the only thing that can cure him is for Swan to pay him some attention. Well, all the animals, they went back to the lake and they sent Swallow dipping and diving over the waters to tell Swan what Owl had said. And when Swan heard, something inside her changed. She'd always wanted to join the other animals and birds, but she'd been too shy. She never had the courage to come and join the others, but now she turned and her strong legs began to paddle beneath the water, propelling her towards the shore. And she got out of the water, and not so graceful on land as she was on the lake, she began to waddle towards the hunchback's hut. And all the other animals, they came creeping behind her to see what would happen. She nudged the door, and the door opened and shut behind her. Robin flew up onto the hunchback's windowsill, and he peered inside, and there was the young man. He was laid out on his bed, his face grey, his eyes shut, his chest barely moving. He was hardly breathing. But the door opened, and in came Swan. And she waddled over to the bed, and she stretched out her long neck, and she laid it on the hunchback's chest. His eyes snapped open. And they widened when they saw that it was Swan, Swan who had come to visit him. And he reached out his hand to stroke her neck, but already she'd lifted her head away. And she reached down and she plucked one white feather from her breast and she laid it on the hunchback's chest and it took root 
started to grow. And another one, and another one, and another one, until the whole of his front was covered in white feathers. And then he sat up in the bed, and that hump on his back cracked. And out of the hump came two beautiful white feathered wings. And all the animals outside, they called up, Robin, Robin, what's happening? What's happening? And Robin, he tried to speak, but a lump caught in his throat, and all he could do was twitter and tweet. And that's all he's been able to do ever since. But a moment later, out of the hut came not one, but two beautiful mute swans. And together they waddled down to the lake. And from then on, there were always two white mute swans sailing on the waters. So that's one of the stories that came out of Duncan's granny's pocket. Duncan's granny told it to Duncan. Duncan told it to me. And now I've told it to you. So my question is, who are you going to tell it to? Thank you, Amy, for bringing us that story and thank you for listening. I wonder what happened to all Duncan's granny's stories. Great that Duncan still remembered lots of them once they'd flown out of her pocket. We have two swans living near where I live and they've built a great big nest of grass and reeds and sticks. The female swan is sitting on her nest and it looks like she's laid five eggs. She will hardly leave the nest now for five or six weeks until her babies, called cygnets, have hatched out. I'll post a picture of it when that happens. Now, it's time to have a dig into my bag of happies and say hello and thank you to some of you owlets who've been supporting our podcast. To Jacob from St John's in Newfoundland, who will turn eight this week. Jacob loves listening with his mum and his beagle, Georgie. He particularly loves the scary story, The Ghost of the Bloody Finger. And hello to Boone, who is four, from Briggs in Texas in the US. Boone received a subscription to the Bonus Story and the Owlet Club for his birthday. Welcome to our nest, Boone, and I hope you had a happy day. And hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo to new owlet, Maya, who lives in New Haven, Connecticut in the US. She likes listening to the stories with her two little sisters, Sophie and Ellie. Welcome all of you. I wonder if you sing songs or tell stories to your little sisters, Maya. And Kira, who is six from West Orange, New Jersey in the US, also asked for a subscription at the top of her birthday wish list. Welcome to the nest, Kira. Kira and her mum especially love listening to the stories during their long evening car rides. Happy listening! And Kira has sent us a beautiful picture of the Rainbow Birds story. I like the note you wrote about the story, Kira. She says, I learned a lesson. Never doubt yourself when you're trying to do something. Never give up. We are courageous. What a great message to carry with you in life. Thank you for sharing it with us. 
And thank you all for your kind reviews on Apple, which put a smile in our day. Thanks to sisters in Australia, Innes, who is nine, and Anya, who is five, for a splendid review. They gave a big thumbs up to Toop's story, The Snake and the Holy Man. Now, lots of you sent pictures to our Facebook page this week. Thanks to Amara, who is six, for her thoughtful picture of Haitian story Tianjie and the Yellow Dress. And thanks to seven-year-old Violet, who's drawn a picture of the story which Toop tells from the Amazon, why the rattlesnake rattles and how snakes got their poison. I really like how carefully you've drawn your snake in a perfect coil and the way you've given the snake king a little crown. And three super great cheers for Venus, who is five and three quarters and lives in Ireland. Venus has drawn a magnificent troll looming over the three billy goats on the bridge. A lovely drawing of that story, Venus. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thank you all for sharing your pictures. If you'd like to see these drawings, they're all on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash stories. And if you'd like to send a picture, either attach it to our Facebook Messenger or scroll to the bottom of our website at supergreatkidsstories.com. And do come and hear some of our stories live this Saturday, April the 29th, and listen to Toop and Kate and me in our live show. It's in Isha, Surrey, not far from London. In the meantime, keep telling your stories and singing your songs. See you soon. This story was recorded at Wardour Studios in London.